Hello and welcome to another interesting and exciting episode of the Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman. I'm your host, Pat Canavan, and to my left, the fabulous Tony Wanamaker. Welcome, Thank you, Tony. Pat. Thank you, Pat. Hey, I'm throwing a surprise at you. What's Quick, that? a little bit of housekeeping. We just want to celebrate. We got a new sponsor. Thank you, HD Source and Ken Thassen. And if you look in Pat's shot right now in the bottom left frame, you'll see some patterns on the wall. What we did is HD Source supplied us, uh, supplied us rather with some ND, some filtration on the window. So we knock it down two photographic stops, put a little highlight in to give it a little twinkle over there, make it awesome and wonderful for you guys. So uh, yeah, thank you, HD Source. Yeah, no problem, HD Source. With that commercial, <laughs> we also want to do our own housekeeping. Please like and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. Please like us and share it with your friends. If you're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Samsung, RSS, and all the spots, SoundCloud, Vimeo, and all of these places. And also tune in to our website, cornrc.com, confessions of a rock and roll cameraman.com. And the reason you want to do that is because we will email you out yes. the novelette yes. by our man Tony Wanamaker right here, uh, the medley of the 80s. Thank you. And you'll also get discounts on swag, yes. discounts on the book when it comes out. Yes. And without further ado, nicely done. Let's get on with confections. Shall we? Confessions. Confections. Right, right then. Confessions of a rock and roll cameraman. But today we're going to talk about the Guess Who and Lenny Kravitz. Yeah, man. Guess Who? Wheatfield Soul. Huge band. Wheatfield Soul. 1969. And thank you for that citation, Pat. Yeah, uh, arguably the biggest Canadian band ever. I mean, these guys took us from analog 70s right through the digital age, my brother. With yeah. these eyes. <laughs> Nice. Nice. Oh, we should get together with a band. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, so yeah. that was a huge album. Huge yeah. album. Yeah. yeah. And um, and the impact that Canadian music was having on the radio stations in our culture back oh, then. Yes. And then we were sort of getting buried by the American influx of music well, coming into radio. And to that point, you mentioned something about our identity, Canadian culture. And we were just coming into our own. Hey, 1967, we celebrated our first 100th anniversary. Amazing. And our good friend, Prime Minister Pearson, launched the, our, our seminal flag, right? That's The red right. maple leaf. So we started to identify our own culture. We said, hey, look, we're under the shadow of our friends, the South Americans, the lovely people, but... Hey, man, we need to mediate our own culture. Yeah. So, Pat, let's go fast forward. 1971, Canadian content rules have changed now for musicians. We have to have 25% Canadian content, which means if you're a radio station, uh, in your 24-hour period, you have to play 25% Canadian. Yeah, and this is the absolute yeah. first time yep. that this legislation comes into play. Yes, and it. listen... Thank you, Brian Adams. Thank you, Luba. Thank you, Shania Twain. Thank you, Glass Tiger. We can go down the list. Tom Cochran, by the way. Hey, Tom. Uh, great bands. And the reason is because the early uh, musicians, Canadian musicians, let's say Stompin' Tom and Murray, uh, uh, guess who, right? Yeah. BTO. They lead the way on the Beaver Hour. The Beaver Hours. And the Beaver Hours were a colloquial term for Canadian uh, music that was broadcasted from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. Actually, it was really more from midnight to 6 a.m. 
Wow. Yeah. But at least CanCon yes. and our identity was being recognized uh, on a political stage. Yes. Uh, now we have our, our, our flag, our stamp, the, the, our image, yeah. uh, CanCon. Today, yes. we're now dealing with uh, Bill C-11. This is the digital now. This is the digital <laughs> revamping of CanCon. Can you imagine yeah. like from 1971 no. No. to today, nothing has been changed. Although it has, it has allowed for us to listen to more Canadian musicians. There's no question. Well, well there's and, that. And you know this as a yeah. musician. It opened a lot of doors for you because radio stations now were comfortable in playing Canadian content. Well, that's true. But for people nice. like like you and I who are now yeah. doing uh, podcasts and yeah. whatnot, the international digital streaming universe is, well, it's, it's becoming a, a global village. But every country is still trying to keep their identity, 100%. And their identity stamp. 100%. So, so we're working on it. <laughs> so, guess who? To that point, we're one of those bands that emblazoned that trail. We could look yeah. at, you know, <laughs> I laugh because I always say when I was, I was like 12 years old and devastated in 1970. My God, early in the year the Beatles broke up, and then a couple months later, the Guess Who broke up. My world was shattered. I always thought it was round, right? I couldn't believe that this happened. But, you yeah. know, I, I realized later, bands have egos. Well, yeah, so, like, what happened? Um, like, bands have egos, but it's a job. Dude, I thought it was like the monkeys, you know? Everybody had fun and goofing around and playing music and just hanging around together in the living room. That's not the truth. No. 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 <laughs> they get to hate each other on tour. Sometimes they love each other. It's great. But yeah, yeah so here we are with the Wheatfield Soul. We break through. We cover this band. We take it forward. I find myself years later, right, in a prison, Saskatchewan Federal Penitentiary, working with Randy Bachman on a really cool show pack called Jailhouse Rock 3. Yeah. The jailhouse is rocking tonight. From the Saskatchewan Penitentiary, Backman Turner Overdrive is back on the Much Music Big Ticket. Okay, so how does Randy Bachman yeah. end up, well, he's not in prison. Yeah. He's like Johnny Cash. He's, he's going into prisons yes. and entertaining, right? Yes, yeah. Because let's face it, it's a neglected part of our society. Yes, and let me tell you, that was such a, an awakening. Uh, it's incredible. I've had a chance twice to be in two functioning prisons. I, I've had a chance to walk through Millhaven, which is a maximum security prison not far from us here, over nearby Bath. And, uh, and here I was in the Saskatchewan Federal Penitentiary, which is a medium security prison. Well, what, what was that like? Uh, it was terrifying. My, uh, I had intel. My, uh, my cousin happened to be an intelligence officer for the Millhaven prison. And he said, just be vigilant, Tony. Be very careful. Why? Well, Anybody there with an indictable offense, which is two years and more, uh, they probably committed some kind of heinous act, right? So they're very dangerous people. Uh, I'm all for it, and thank you, prison guards and prison reform. You know, want to make it more kumbaya, and we want it. And there's some people who are doing a great job in reforming and serving their time and making it happen and becoming great citizens, and that's what it's about. But there are some, not so nice, Pat. Well, I can't imagine being locked up. Uh, it must feel like an eternity. And then being in there, uh, like social mores change. Very good. I, I've yeah. never, I've never been there, so I, I can't say. Well, here's two thoughts: if you hate the smell of ammonia, and you can't stand the sound of metal doors smashing, Clank. then you're never going to survive. Pat, when I entered that place, I had two big locomotive guys that were from the Lifers Club. You can imagine what that meant, uh, who were there to chaperone me. 
And they were great guys, lovely, by the way, and thank you for that. But they had they were adamant about one caveat. What's that? And that is, if I have to use the restroom, they have to reconnoiter. they got to clear the stalls first before I can go in for my safety. For your safety. Yeah. Wow. And I always had somebody by me in case. I remember eating a steak dinner with the inmates, lovely guys, the people that I was kind of liaising with. and But in the corner of my eye, brother, you know, we all had steak knives, serrated, right? Very nice. But in the corner of my eye, in the guard tower, there's a guy with a high-powered carbine uh, on bipod and, and, and has a scope in my area. I can always see him looking at me. <laughs> yeah. Wild realization. So at times you fall prey into thinking it's a normal environment, and other times you don't. For example, I ended up in the athletic area, and they have this sort of marine challenge where you hit the pegs and go up the wall. Oh, okay. Sure. It was great because that's where I bumped into Randy Bachman and Fred Turner, BTO. Taking sure. care of business, right? And the great thing was, good for Randy, ingratiating himself with the prisoners. They really saw him as part of the community. And and that made, I think, had huge repercussion later for the show. It's had a really nice tenor. And I think, you know, it begins from the top, right? Yeah. And filters down. Thank you, Randy. He set the perfect tenor there. Everybody had a great time as a result. Now, when you say the show... Yeah. What, what brought you there? Like, what we brought were, you to the prison? Well, we were doing a much music simulcast. It's one of the early ones, 1987, right? So we got a skeleton crew there. Uh, and uh, a great, one of the great North American directors, Tom O'Neill, is directing this show. Okay. Uh, and the op- one of the featured acts is a band called DOA. It's a, hard, <laughs> it's a hard punk act from Vancouver. It's been around a while. But the joke is, part of their show is they carry a chainsaw, right? Okay. Oh, so they brought a chainsaw into prison. Oh God! But I got to tell you, there's no there's no chain on the chainsaw. It's I... a pretty good visual, but still, think about how ironic that is. <laughs> God. Yeah. So you do the simulca- simulcast yeah. with Randy Bachman. Yeah. You got to show some of this footage because you'll see me up on the stage prancing around uh, by by the guitarist just to the left of Fred Turner. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and then then you leave and and the show's cut and you put it on. And yeah. Yeah. That must have been... Well, it was crazy. And I, I, and I do have to tell you one incident. And this is a, that, that realization. There's two things, two quick stories I'm going to tell you about yeah, being okay. in prison. Sure. One was I'm out in the yard and I see this guy pumping iron, right? Just hammering away, right? Real resolute look. He's got tear gla- teardrop sunglasses on, just hitting it. And I go, wow, look at that impressive tattoos around both of his, his biceps. Amazing. Yeah. The guard taps him under his shoulder and says, no, man, those are suture marks. He tried to cut off his arms. Oh, Wow. In my book, there's a couple of stories that I won't say in this podcast, but uh, I, I, I enlighten you to read them. You'll find them interesting, and I really delve into some things that I had witnessed that uh, are, are very profound. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But the other one was, so I said when after I entered, I met, first of all, the locomotive size guards, right? Yeah, okay. Okay. I saw what looked to be the prison photographer, an inmate. And sure. being of like the did, brother. Like, did he have a camera or anything? Exactly. Or? He had a little teeny oh. 35 millimeter camera and a shitty little piece of rope. And I thought, hey, man, uh, it's incumbent upon me to ingratiate myself with the brotherhood. He's a cameraman. Yeah. And, uh, and But is he an inmate? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Oh, I see. So he's, he, what he's they call it, the, the he's, called, he's, he's what they call a fish. What's fish a fish? Is, is a colloquial term for a new inmate. That's what he is. Oh, I so see. So he's getting impacted by not only prison indoctrination by the guys who actually run the prison, the prison bosses. Right? So there's a lot going on in his life right now. So he comes up to me while I make overtures to, hey, man, how you doing? And shortly after, he jams something right under my armpit. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
So I know he stuck something there, some paperwork there. Yeah, and you've been told, like, don't associate, don't. Well, and here I come into prison. They got mirrors under my van checking for contraband, right? Right. So, and we've been patted down. It went through an x-ray machine. And now I've got contraband on me in a prison. So I got two thoughts. Number one, do I tell the guards? <laughs> Again, my cousin, right? Uh, you get snitches, get stitches in prison. So oh. I was like, this is early in my day. Do I want people to know that I just told on one of their brotherhood, right? No. Right. Uh, and then the other thought was, um, <laughs> I'm going to end up smuggling out contraband. So I went, I opted for the second and I snuck into the stall, right? Uh, after it was cleared, of course, and hid my document, put it away. And I actually smuggled this out of the prison. Yeah. I'm not happy about it. But anyways, later that night at my hotel, I unfurl it again. So you didn't see it in the bathroom. I, had, I took a quick flash and it made me sick. Why? It's pretty frightening. It, to me, it's offensive. It's very provocative. And, and folks, you'll judge it. Pat will show you this shortly. Uh, so I had issues with it, and I quickly folded it up and put it back in my arm and hit it because I'm, I'm terrified. What do I do? I got a show to shoot. Uh, that night, when I returned to my hotel, I finally had the courage to unfurl it. Now, Pat, I don't know if it was a minute I looked at it or two hours later. I was frightened. I was uh, almost, if you will, catatonic because I couldn't move. I just fixated on this thing, man. And then finally, I had the nerve. I crawled, I folded it all up into a ball, and I threw it in the garbage can. In the morning, I retrieved it. And when you look at the photo, you'll notice it's all wrinkled. That's why. Yeah. I can't let go of it. Well, it's, uh, it's, and, it's an intense uh, image. It's an intense image, and I'll qualify it. This guy just found out he's going to be there 15 years, okay? Oh, this is his yeah. first two weeks, okay? He thought he was going to get by quick prison time if he becomes a photographer. Uh, in the book, you'll find out, <laughs> consequently, that's not how it turned out. It turned out absolutely terrible for this guy. Uh, but, but, yeah, that's where we were, my friend. Astonishing. Yeah. Astonishing. But yeah. that's not the only time you've worked with... Uh... Randy Bachman. No, and that was charming. We're doing the Tejas Rock. I really got to meet him later now. Uh, I get to talk to him at a book signing event at Indigo Books because uh, he released a new book and we got a chance to talk about Jailhouse Rock 3. It was funny. We were there to talk about the book, but we just got caught up in the conversation because he still thought it was cool too. It's amazing. How often do you get to work in a maximum security? This was a min uh, yeah, minimum security prison. Uh, how often do you ever get to do that? Well, very rarely, yeah, if, amazing. It, if at all. Right? Amazing. A lovely concert. We had a great time. But now we go forward, Pat, and we're coming into the MMVAs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about yeah. the MMVAs, the Much Music Video Awards. And part of our logo yes. with the podcast yes. is, is the image of... This is 299 Queen Street West. And, and Elizabeth, you would indulge me. Can you slide over here and show this close-up? So, good folks, have a look. This is, this is the corner. This is Queen Street here. And we do have the Red Rock and the TTC comes through here. This is John Street. And at this corner here, I'm looking southeast, okay? So we have three stages when we do the MMVAs, Pat. Yeah. We have the main stage, which is tucked in behind the building. It's our parking lot. Pretty cool. Uh, the second stage is usually out here. Sometimes it floats in front of the building here, or we put it on this corner here. Uh, and then the John Street stage, we set back in here, okay? Oh, so yeah. all these people here, think about it. The tens of thousands of people, we actually shut down TTC traffic. It's done. Yeah. The city, yeah. I remember. The city cool. shut down. Yeah. Rock stars pile in. Yes, man. Uh, awards, parties, craziness. Toronto right. was, was in a huge party. 
thing that you wanted to do was get yourself a VIP ticket and hang out on the second floor because that's where everybody is. Actually, that's where my wife and I, years later in 2014, when I was working for an American company covering the show, ended up hanging out with Lady Gaga. Awesome. Wow. Totally cool. Yeah. You got to see that picture and you got to see the boots. Oh. So what stage were you working on? So I was working on, and I love it. When you work in the main stage, it's the prestige. The big acts are going to be out there, Pat. So you were on the main stage. Yeah. That afternoon, the reason we're telling this particular essay was, (laughs) and I call it the Guess Who versus Lenny Kravitz, because now these two great bands, Lenny Kravitz, right, doing the cover of American Woman, and the Guess Who... The originators of the song are going to get together and perform American Woman in 2000. Oh, now, yeah. now, how, like, let's talk about that. Good let's one. talk about the Guess Who and Lenny Kravitz because it must have been a love fest. <laughs> but before that, before that, like, why were the Guess Who all of a sudden so famous again and why was Lenny Kravitz? Well, we have Canadian from Scarborough, right? Mike Myers, brought the spy who shagged me, something like that, I think. Anyways, uh, they needed a, a hit song. Okay, now where were we, baby? Yes. Oh. <laughs> right? For this movie. And so Lenny Kravitz ends up doing the cover of American Woman with the song that both Burton Cummings and Randy Bachman wrote. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Good Canadian yeah. boy uh, making yeah. good with a Canadian rock guy. Do you know how they wrote that song? No. So Bachman thinks it was at a arena in Kitchener and... Burton Cummings thought it happened at a roller rink in Scarborough. So, anyways, see, again, to our point, everybody, right, different stories, same event, right? right. It always happens. So, anyways, Bachman <laughs> has this theme. Right, so he keeps playing that. Burton comes out, does a little acapella. He does a little bit of rap. Acapella rap. <laughs> and so, anyways, there was a really astute young man with a tape recorder. Analog 70s, brother. Really? Starts recording this. They hit him up later, and I wish I knew this young man's name. Famous to recording, you kidding? And they said, there it is. That's the song, the genesis of the song. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I Crazy. never heard that yeah. before, but this now, is amazing. A lot of people, brother, thought that song was about politics. Don't forget, this is 71. Yeah. The Vietnam War is not over until 75, right? So there were a lot of issues with Viet Cong still at the point, the North Vietnamese Army coming in. And so it's not about American involvement. Actually, and this is interesting. So in 2013, Burton Cummings clears it up. And here's what he said, my brother. All right, he said, there he goes. Quote, what was on my mind was that girls in the States seem to get older quicker than our girls, and that made them, well, dangerous. When I said, American woman, stay away from me, I really meant Canadian woman, I prefer you. It was all just a happy accident. Too eloquent? Yeah, a little bit. But, you know, it was a multi-million dollar selling (laughs) album. (laughs) Super hit colossal. (laughs) Two times in a row. Happy accident. Yeah, yeah, right? (laughs) I got a lot of songs that weren't happy accidents. (laughs) And you can find those on (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So, okay, so let's get back to the MMBAs. (laughs) Now, I know you're a stickler for... Getting to know your turf. Yeah, I mean, we, we just yeah. did we just did sharks, <laughs> and uh, I know you 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 get in there, you get to know your turf. Um, so when you're blocking the stage for yourself, mm-hmm. what goes on in your mind, and then what happens? Yeah. 
Uh, thank you for that question. Uh, in my profession, you know, and, and I talk a lot about this throughout the book, you know, uh, I reconnoiter that stage. I walk the landmines, uh, landmines, cables. Uh, right. You know this, you're, you're a musician on stage. You might yeah. have a mic stand. You might have an amplifier. you got wires. I need to see a clear path. And additionally, and from a photographic aesthetic point of view, I want to know what shots may work compounding. For example, in this position, I was behind the drums covering guitars and keyboards, okay? Sure. So, But what I want to do is I want to layer it. So I start looking at, in a cinematic sort of state of mind, what things will make sense. So maybe I want to be behind the drummer, seeing them play the drums and with a little middle ground of the cymbals and I got a beautiful blue light off uh, something off the stage there and something happening here. I could have somebody in the right frame who's coming across uh, body surfing and then there's Lenny Kravitz and he and if I'm lucky he may turn around with his guitar and play into the drummer and they do that sometimes. They connect yeah. with the percussion, right? Uh, Fantastic. So I pre-visualize this all the time, Pat. I walk this turf and I get familiar. So now when my director calls up shots, yeah. he doesn't want to tell me in a didactic manner how to frame it. This is a live show. He's just looking for the most enriched shot. Shot at and the time. He's been watching in rehearsal to see what I'm offering because it's incumbent upon me as an operator to offer these. He picks what he wants. Sure. I'm going to offer him the menu. So that happens at yeah. night. Like the show happens at night. Yeah, man. So what yeah. time of day are you doing this, right? Because you're not yeah. doing it. Show's at 8, so you get here at 7.30. Well, this is the cool part. And unfortunately, fans didn't get to see this in rehearsal because it was a rehearsal. Yeah. Although you start seeing, you know, the flood of people coming in early. Oh, right, because the bands are going to rehearse. Yes, man. And oh, we're out in the parking course. lot out at the Queen Street. So some people, if they're prudent, they get in there early, get it free, get a great, and they'll see the rehearsal. The rehearsal was funny as hell, my brother. What happened? And this, this is the where I underscore uh, guess who versus Lenny Kravitz. Uh, I'll tell you the end game, and the end game is that the executives, you know, screwed this up. They should have connected the bands. There's a lot of egos in the music business, in the film, in any business actually. But you really see the music business, Pat, and you know this. You've come right up close and personal. Well, absolutely. Yeah. So and so. Uh, that being said, they weren't introducing one another. So when they get on stage, it was bizarre. So Lenny Kravitz is kind of out there starting to get his guitar, getting himself seated, right? This is during rehearsal. Yeah. Okay. And on the other end of the stage, <laughs> there's Brandy Bachman and Vernon Common kind of getting ready. So what kills me is you've got this one group, right? A and B, and they both need to get together because this song from this movie is kind of paramount in, in this <laughs> equation and they kind of like a keystone cop thing where finally right they find a way to kind of go oh right fancy meeting you here <laughs> time for high tea <laughs> what the hell really yes. so they didn't even like hey i'm randy i i'm lenny hi randy bachman yeah hi lenny kravitz really great to meet you burton cummings none and none of it holy shit well, maybe, yeah. maybe the guess who was still Canadian. Maybe they were just like, <laughs> we're just going to go over here and eat yeah. our egg salad yeah. sandwiches yeah. until somebody invites us to the game. Yeah. Well, you know, how do you get 400 Canadians in a Volkswagen, Pat? I have no idea. You just say, please. <laughs> Anyhow. <laughs> I just lost my brother. <laughs> so, so they get... Yeah. Now, did you videotape them, like, finally meeting? Oh, or, it was hilarious. Or, I, I, I think part of it were rolling, part of it's on my shoulder. Yeah. We do a loose thing. We record it anyway so the director can get an idea of some cuts. Yeah. But nobody's paying any attention. But I was a stickler. This was blowing my mind. Because 
we'll take it back. You know, as we said, Lenny Kravitz because becomes the best male vocalist in 2000, wins a Grammy as a result of doing that cover song. Oh, yeah, it was huge <laughs> for him. <laughs> Big. The, the guess who make a resurgence, man. They're introduced to the millennials. You kidding? A year yeah. prior to that, Pat, they went on a reunion tour. They all got back together. And uh, and that was at the behest of the uh, uh, Manitoba premier. I think it was Gary Philman at the time. And they were going to do the Pan Am Games in Winnipeg. So they asked them to come out. They did four songs. It yeah. galvanized them. Hey, we're going to go back on tour, right? Success of what's happening. Thank you, Lenny Kravitz, right? So it's like a new band to, to a new audience. Beautiful. Yeah. Right? yeah. All inspired yeah. or revamped <laughs> with a spark from a guy from Scarborough pretending to be a he guy from England. Me. He shagged me. Yeah. That was the second movie. That was huge. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. huge. And funny. The movie was funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this is, this is amazing. So... So now, are you hardwired into a oh. into the, into much music, or are you running around with tapes? Like, no, that's good. There was a period where we were hardwired mostly because we always got a clean signal. Yeah, you want to go. I like going wireless. I did it for the Shania Twain, but sometimes it could be breakup depending where you are, and all you need is something like a piece of concrete or steel to get a bad deflection. You lose that signal. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, producers don't want to lose critical mass, so they'd rather have you tethered. So. Yes, I like to reconnoiter the stage and make sure I don't have any trip hazards. Yeah. And when I'm tethered, you got to watch that tail. Generally, I have uh, a young man or a young woman who's behind me, and they're, they're called cable assistants, and they make sure they tether out my line and then bring it back in. Okay. Like, a little bit like fly fishing. Wow. Yeah. So, so you, I, I'm just I'm trying to get my, my mind around you you being dangled in front of these two world greats like a oh. like a like a worm on a hook. Yeah, but you're there to, to oh. videotape them. But then the evening performance comes, brother. Oh, tell me, tell oh, me. That's great. They've worked out differences. Now they applaud one another. It's fantastic. There's a brotherhood. Perfect for the audience. Thank you. We look great. But when Lenny Kravitz comes out, man, he is the rock star personified. This guy has. The Manhattan-sized boa constrictor scarf, and it looks like one of those things to keep your head after you had a neck injury. So he's kind of out there doing <laughs> this. Beautiful afro, great stuff on the glasses, and he's just—he's got his Les Paul, and he's just hitting it a bit, right? Just hitting. It. Dun, dun, dun. So finally, really smart move. He segues to let Randy walk. So Randy starts Beautiful. the, uh, Randy gets to start the, the, the show? And he starts into it. There's another guitar riff and another, uh, several bars further. And he lets him come in to take the lead. And he takes over. Really great. Oh, with the yeah. doo -doo -doo. Yeah. So he's paying homage oh. to Randy. Randy opens up. And he's a great guitar player, Pat, as you know. Oh, absolutely. So he opens up, inspires Lenny, because I think Lenny kind of looked over like, holy shit, that's great. So he starts driving. And then, Canadian, right? Yeah. Cowbell. <laughs> Burton nice. Cummings. Tick, 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 tick. Amazing. Better than a rush opening, right? Better than a low rider opening. Great cowbell. The best cowbell I've ever seen. Right? Even, even better than Saturday Night Live with... Just uh... for walking? I don't think so. Close second. Close second. Yeah. Wow. So you're on stage. You're yeah. behind the drummer. Yeah. Uh, you've got these two greats out in front. Amazing. Huge audience. Color lights. Hypnotize. And you're sparkling on the drummer. Who, who was, the, who was uh, Lenny Kravitz's drummer? Uh, great. Eclectic group, right? It, they just scream Manhattan. So I'm with this lovely young lady, great drummer. Her name is Cindy Satana Blackman. And she hits those, those skins, man, as hard as Tony Thompson from the Power Station. And that, unbelievable. But 
not only is she gorgeous, she's got a smile the size of Manhattan. Kind of <laughs> apropos when you're from New York, right? Yeah, yeah. And she turned around and please show us this shop hat. And she's playing away. And she kept playing a little coquettish to my camera. Love it. Because when you ingratiate yourself with the artist, they get to know you, they feel comfortable. And I might suggest, hey, Cindy, if you turn this way, it's a better shot. She's a smart operator. She knows, hey. And she helps work with me to mediate the best image. Great. Yeah. And you got to pick her up. You got to pick her up the band. You got to pick all of that So stuff. it was You're very immersive, totally. And I use this word far too often because I'm lucky to have that experience. Again, another absolutely sublime experience. Yeah. This is the yeah. rock and roll cameraman. Yeah. This 100%. is it. This is it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Pretty cool. So a nice liaison. I crossroads think about it. It, it galvanizes one career. It highlights one career. Kind of goofy faux pas. Egos are at play. Rock and roll show, man. Massive. Right. Massive dread. Yeah. Massive. <laughs> well, with that, Tony, thank I want to say thank you to everybody who's tuning in to the Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman. Thanks for becoming part of the Confessions of a Rock and Roll Cameraman family. Because, you know, we are family around here. So thanks for tuning in. Like, subscribe. We love you. We'll see you next time.